Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm John McEnroe. I'm Bjorn Borg. This is Martina Navratilova. I'm Mats Wilander. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy Murray. And you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. It is on. Rafael Nadal will face Roger Federer for the first time at Wimbledon for 11 years and they are nearly old enough to get their bus passes and yet they are going to be sharing centre court once again on Friday because they have both won through their quarterfinals today. Uh, Roger Federer in four against Kane Ishikori, Sam Querrey in three, no, Rafael Nadal in three against Sam Querrey. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that scared you, didn't so it, Nadal fans? No one believed you, David. <laughs> <laughs> um, Just and, make uh, sure everyone's paying attention. Yes, well, there you go. So it is sure. on. Query versus Federer. Yeah, bring it. Uh, and then we've got uh, Novak Djokovic against Roberto Bautista-Agut, who is going to have his stag do on centre court <laughs> with his six mates who are supposed to be going out to Ibiza. In fact, they went to Ibiza and uh, they've come back and he's flown them in and he's going to get the beers in and they're going to be there watching him and cheering him on and barracking Djokovic. All this stuff's going to happen on Friday. Uh, we're going to tell you all about what happened today in the company of Catherine Whitaker. Hello, Catherine. Hello, David. And Matt Roberts. Hello. Hello. And a very special guest for the first time here on the Tennis Podcast from The Telegraph, we have Molly McElwee. Hello, Molly. Hiya. You all right? Yeah, very good. Thank what, what, you. Do you think, what do you think think of Wimbledon so far? It's my second Wimbledon so I mean I'm enjoying it a lot more this time because I can actually find everything a lot easier. Oh, can so. you show me? <laughs> I get lost a lot around here. <laughs> so I'm actually getting onto court on time which is really great. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Um, so we've all been monitoring what's been going on today. Uh, Catherine upon sitting down you seemed a little underwhelmed by the day's play uh, that we've witnessed today. Um, I was a little more upbeat you about it. You were whelmed. I don't think anyone was overwhelmed. No. Does anyone want to declare themselves overwhelmed by can, what they saw today? Can you be whelmed? Is that a thing? I think David is whelmed. Okay. I'm a little bit underwhelmed. Uh, makes I think sense, possibly yeah. my underwhelmment is attributable to the loss of Sarandi because actually the, re- the, the men's singles results perhaps were about par, barring a... a a disappointing two and a half sets from David Goffin, of which we will speak more in due course. I think the rest was about par, um, but the the result out on court two. Sorry for the bias, but I think bias is allowed in mixed doubles, isn't it? Um, and I th- and I think the reason I'm biased is because that partnership and Matt and I went and watched their match on centre court last night made me feel like a 
teenage tennis fan again it made me feel just electrified like just this is something so exciting and so beyond tennis so I'm sad that that fairy tale has died it was like waking up from a dream today wasn't it yeah it had been so nice and so lovely and then it all just crumbled on court too, like <laughs> like so many other dreams that were more than this year. I was in a great mood until this podcast started. <laughs> I sat down, Catherine's got me a beer. David was whelmed yeah. until about two and a half oh, minutes ago. To be fair, I was as well, just because I got to see Roger for the first time on court. But oh, yeah. I'm not going to... That, that was just me fangirling because I agree that tennis wasn't what it could have been. But I, I think we're all perhaps guilty of... Um, overlooking the or perhaps being a bit fatigued about the star power and the Roger Federer factor and you know we're aware that all these people flock from miles miles around and you know the the whole David Foster Wallace Roger Federer as religious experience thing but as somebody who experienced it for the first time today is it all of those things that we've all talked about for the last 15 years 20, 20 years 20 <laughs> yeah, years isn't I mean, it? I mean 18 yeah. years it was it was pretty surreal to watch that backhand just play out in the yeah I'm a big Fedra fan so for me I was like I don't care what's happening what the scoreline says I just want to watch him play and it was kind of yeah just being a fan for the day was really fun yeah it's uh it's one of those things isn't it because I think people because he's been around for so long people have uh, a, a view of what what an experience of watching him will be like and and it it is quite mind blowing to, to because you see somebody like him and in fact Nadal as well I think to to a large degree and Serena Williams these people that have been just in our consciousness for so long they've been part of everybody's lives for so long and if you've never seen them before close up I remember when I saw Pete Sampras for the first time. Um, 24 years ago um, and uh, he'd always been my hero before I got into tennis and it was yeah it was quite something when I, when I saw him in the flesh for the first time Who, Have you had that moment Matt? Well, well the first time I ever saw Federer was the first time I came to Wimbledon 2006 and I saw him practicing first and I sort of I was very short and I got my way to the front and he was practicing with Tony Roach was his coach at the time mm. and um then I first saw him play at Wimbledon a few years later against Ivo Karlovic in the quarterfinals, and I remember thinking I just wanted, I just wanted to see a forehand winner up the line and a come on, and he did it in about point two, and yes. I was, and I was, I was satisfied from that moment <laughs> onwards. I, I remember commentating on that match, and uh, nobody had gotten near Karlovic's serve all week for obvious reasons, serving down from six foot eleven, and in the first game, mm. Federer broke him. Mm. Nobody. Had and this was what quarterfinals, something yeah, like that. Yeah, it was that? the quarterfinals. And yeah. and, he, and Federer just dipped a couple of backhand returns at his feet and then passed him down the line. And yeah, it was crikey, poor old Evo. Was he? Was it come oning or was it come yetsing? I remember distinctly it was a come on. I, th- I think he's developed the come yets in the sort of latter part of his career. Mm. I think um, he, was, I, he did a few of them today, didn't he? He wasn't coming come oning in the first set because Kane Shikori came out, and in the words of Pat Cash, who was with us on Five Live, he just came out and redlined it. And, and went for everything. I was really pleased about that. I was really pleased to see Nishikori at least say, you know what, I'm not going to just play my normal game and let this guy dominate me. I'm going to take it to him. And he won the first set 6-4. But would you allow me again, this <laughs> might be a recurring theme, to be a downer on it all? Oh, here we go. Go on. But that's the problem, isn't it? 
everybody comes out and feels like they have to redline it to have a chance, and that is unsustainable. That therein lies the problem. Or is is that a problem, or is that just a, a realization a of, of what we of what we're witnessing right now with these three guys? Yeah, and the three guys are amazing, and I am absolutely pumped for Federer and Nadal on Friday. Absolutely pumped, as pumped as anyone. It's going to be brilliant. I can't envisage a world in which that will be a disappointment. However, I would exchange it for four great quarterfinals. Would or you? Really? Wow. You, so you'd rather have an even <laughs> playing field of maybe 15 players yeah. that are all pretty good, or you would Not rather an have... an even playing field. Look, I want to see greatness, but I would exchange it for sort of over the course of the third, fourth and quarterfinal rounds, a series of great, great matches. Rather than would, witnessing yeah. the careers of the three greatest male players of all time at the same time going head to head. I've seen a lot of that. <laughs> <laughs> I think the dream and is both, right? You want to yeah. see them tested, and You're then just greedy, yeah. and then you want. But I but, feel like we have that, had that. I feel like yeah. But, but in ha- the last year, year and a half, we haven't had that. And that's the so wrong much. direction of travel. Mm. How would you go with Molly? I think. I mean, I wouldn't exchange much for Nadal Federer at Wimbledon, but I think watching some of the rounds this week and at the end of last week, it. It has been sort of fatiguing, just like, oh, well, that's going to happen. They're definitely going through. And even today when Kay took that first set, I, I mean, I wasn't convinced that he was going to keep that up at all. And it, and it proved it when Roger, when Federer broke back um, immediately or mm. bro- broke him immediately in the second set. So It, I mean, it felt yeah. so familiar, didn't yeah. it? I mean, look, I, I, I loved as much as you did watching Nishikori do what he did in that first set. I thought, this is brilliant, this is the way. But I could also see in his eyes, or maybe I was imagining it because it is such a familiar tale, could see in in the you know opponent's past eyes of the last 15 years the belief that that this is this is Nishikori playing or in his mind I'm playing at 100% here I'm absolutely pushing myself to the limit and this is unsustainable it does also point to the belief that Federer has in his own game the fact that he just didn't panic when he went down the set you you could see him stay calm and I actually thought in the very first game Nishikori nailed two clean backhand winners and I thought that would that would scare a lot of players but Federer knows that they were good serves from him and he would back himself to hit those spots on his serve and he kept going to Nishikori's backhand on the on the serve and it paid dividends later in the match because Nishikori started missing a lot and it just shows that kind of stubbornness can be a negative but Federer turns it into a positive because he has such belief in his game that he knows that eventually he, he's going to find his spots and Nishikori won't be able to live with him. And he also knows that Nishikori, Nishikori knows. knows that he can't yeah. keep it up. There yeah. are the late... The, that mentality that dynamic and we saw it played at played out with Djokovic and Goffin as well and a little bit with Nadal and Query because Query put up a really good fight in that first set those three know and Murray pre-hip knew as well okay you're playing really well mate you can't keep this up yeah and we all know that as well and I think Roger Federer wasn't at his at his top game in the first set and he knew he was like well this is I'm not He's playing really well, but I'm also not playing my best. I just need to step it up. Well, I mean, there, there were two things that, that really struck me. 
being, I mean, where we are on, in the Five Live commentary box, we're court level, which is an incredible experience. You're, you're on, basically on the corner of the court, just overlooking the, the left shoulder of the, the, the corner line judge. And two things struck me. One is, from a Federer perspective, in about the first point of the second set, Nishikori, maybe the second point, he hit a serve out wide onto the Federer backhand and he missed it. And it was 125 miles an hour. And he missed it by an inch. And Federer put an arm out wide and, and stab middled this backhand flick return cross-court. It didn't count because the serve was out, but he could not have hit it more perfectly, more crisply cross-court for a clean winner. And Alistair Eakin and myself in the commentary box, we just looked at each other. We weren't on air. We just looked at each other and said, oh, my. I, I can't remember seeing a better struck backhand single-handed return than that in my life and things are going to change now. It just immediately made us feel like that. And Federer won the next four points and he broke to love. And every single one of them was finished with a winner. He, he took it to Nishikori and it was, it was as if he'd put like a turbo boost on his game. Where with one press of a finger, he decided, OK, I played within myself in the first set. Now you're having it, Kay. And, and, and is that the problem with the longevity of these guys at the top of the game, that we have seen it all before? We've seen all these patterns before. We've seen the plucky underdog wins first set and then right at the start of the second set, the enter name of big three hits an inspired shot and suddenly the match turns. We have seen that situation over and over and over again and it feels like they've got scar tissue those guys they've got yeah they've got imposter syndrome it's impossible to overcome it now you saw that in Nishikori's eyes out there and I reeled off the other names like uh, Grigor Dimitrov and um, and, and Milos Raonic the distant memory of Grigor Dimitrov they're all 29 years of age you know they're, they're all good players I mean Cilic less so because he did win a slam and he did beat Federer but now he is okay. walking scar tissue yeah he, he is but it doesn't matter with him it does for the others because they're not going to win one right and you saw Nishikori there trying his heart out and Roger Federer and Nadal and Djokovic just owning these guys and uh, it's it's incredible to witness these world-class players who, who have imposter syndrome out there in the company yeah. of these guys I'm I'm re- I, look, as I've said, I'm pumped for for the semi-finals and the final, but I'm also ready to to get to a tournament where Sitsipas hasn't been knocked out because that's what this tournament needs. A, a youngster, plenty of time for that. Though. New blood that doesn't have that scar tissue and mm. does believe yeah. that's that's what's been missing. That's the missing ingredient ingredient in the mix for me. A Sitsipas. What you were saying, David, about Federer sort of turbo charging his game that that is actually something I do remember from the very first time I watched Federer live is actually how much power he does have in his game I, th- I don't think it's always noticeable on the on the TV but today he's in that second set as much as anything he overpowered Nishikori. plus he, he hit everything flat yeah on, on particularly on the backhand side he's just doing this swing and this stab and he's middling it and he's not bothering to go over the top of it for what for what it's worth my parents were here um, on Monday, and the they've seen a lot of live tennis, <laughs> courtesy of of me and and David over the years. They've they've been very lucky, and they were incredibly struck by how flat 
the balls were being hit in the, the three matches that they saw and what did they see Monday they saw uh, Conta they saw Federer and they saw Nadal and they were really really struck by how flat the hitting was and how small the um, clearance over the net was including by Nadal including by Nadal I mean obviously it was greater than for the others but relative to Nadal's standards that's what they were struck by I'd say what you were saying Matt about Federer hitting the ball with such power you don't it doesn't translate to the TV as much and and, and everyone is so in awe of him when they watch him on television but it just goes to another level and you could see the he just increased sort of turbo boosted that power in the second set it was plus even when you see him in real time, you see the speed of the shots, but you don't see the effort the way you do with the other guys. That you don't see this explosive movement. What you see, there was a moment where Alistair Eakin described a, a backhand passing shot, and he said, "Oh, he's just caressed that, right? Because that's the motion that you saw on the backhand side." And yet, Pat Cash and Marion Bartley both said, "No, no, he's hit that incredibly hard." But he'd actually done both. Yeah. He just his timing was such that it just looked like this sort of wave of the arm, and yet you looked at the ball off the strings and it exploded off the strings. And the same with his movement. Sometimes in in long four or five set matches, ones that sometimes he's ended up losing in the last year or so, people have talked about people with, with greater perceptive skills and knowledge than I have said. You know, this is going to be a challenge physically for Federer, and I've thought. Well, he's, he's barely moved, has he? Because he, he barely looks like he's putting any physical effort in. I mean, I'm sure if he was wearing a Fitbit, it would show that he's running all over the shop. But I ju- I'm just sort of thinking, oh, but, you know, he's, he, he's barely done anything. It used he's to sort wind of just you up, been, didn't it? Yeah, he used to wind me right up. <laughs> we had many a row over that. Uh, yeah. Thankfully in the past. Yeah. Um, on the uh, earlier, well, it would have been last week, on the... Um, the Wimbledon social media channels reminded us that it was the 10-year-to-the-day anniversary of the Federer-Roddick final of 2009, 16-14 in the fifth to Federer. And uh, I was at a family barbecue that day, a Wimbledon final family barbecue. Oh, you're my people, Molly. Uh, And uh, Math, uh, my brother recalled all too vividly just how stroppy... I was that day that he was he was supporting Federer. He described on a WhatsApp group that David is also in, much to my horror. He described me stomping up the stairs, shouting, "He doesn't need it, man!" (laughs) (laughs) Although I would like to footnote footnote that with um, with uh, my brother's pointing out that actually says I'm on the right side of history because if he could change. If he could change the past now... If your brother could change the past. If my past. brother could change the past, he would go back and give that Wimbledon to Andy Roddick. Oh. That's nice. Poor old I Andy. Mean, yeah. yeah, that was heartbreaking. Roddick deserved a Wimbledon. Did, you, did anybody Federer here start, apart from Catherine, did anybody here start supporting Federer in that match and end up supporting Roddick a bit? I feel like everyone was supporting Roddick at the end of it because you're just kind of like, you really what? Well, maybe Matthew not. Whittaker <laughs> wasn't. <laughs> but you're kind of the willing horror. him on there because he'd gone so far. It's like, how, I, how can you lose now? I remember it's, genuinely feeling like you've got you've got to be made of cold, hard stone not to be supporting Andy Roddick. Now. And actually, uh, d- I, could, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't understand how my flesh and blood was not. Have you ever watched a match like that the same as I and was. wondered whether 
even Federer is slightly thinking, you know what? Yeah. He kind of deserves it more than me. Honestly, he needs it more than me. Honestly, I remember being angry at Federer thinking, why don't you want him to win? Because <laughs> I, I, I was watching, I, I, re, I re related my watching at 4am of Goran Ivanisevic against Pat Rafter. And I, a few years back, I saw Pat Rafter and I said... I bet you were happy for him, though, weren't yeah. you? You know, because he's, he, Goran's great, isn't he? Everybody <laughs> loves Goran. I bet you I bet you were quite happy. And he goes, mate, <laughs> do, do, do you understand? He was, he was not having that. I'm, I felt terrible. And that's the mo- most mild-mannered guy It's got to be the stupidest thing I've ever said to a tennis player. But um, I, c- I could imagine saying that And I've said a few. As well. But anyway. I guess that's why we're not professional probably not athletes who are made of stone (laughs) proud proud to be not made of cold hard stone yeah hey i'm ryan reynolds recently i asked mint mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation they said yes and then when i asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts they said what the f*** are you talking about you insane hollywood ass so to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking. And I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering Tennis Podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com tennis. That's homechef.com tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. So let's just get through the rest of the tennis results today. That's uh, Federer's beaten Nishikori. And uh, as you said, Catherine, Sam Quarry put up a decent fight in that first set against Nadal. I didn't see any of that. Matt, did you, did you catch any of that at all? What was, what was the sense? Was Nadal subpar? Was it just no, Quarry? They, they were both playing really well in that first set. They were both, they're sort of, as much as you can judge these things on ratio of winners to unforced errors, they were both had really good ratios. Quarry... Query was doing what he needed to, bringing his big game, serving a, a load of aces, but Nadal still managed to b- break him twice in the set. And it actually gets back to that conversation of last night, doesn't it, where I was saying, that's what he needs to do, and Catherine's yeah, saying, no, no, enough. he needs to do something else. But he, it's but, Sam Query playing his best, which, to his credit, he really did. I just don't think he can it do It is not else. enough. Yeah. He, he was going out there hoping that Nadal fell over. Yeah. Mm. 
but uh, but I d- yeah. shows how it doesn't great have, they are, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, really. it does. It, it, and I think if he'd done something else, he probably would have been beaten more heavily. To be honest, Maybe, because his 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 plan B isn't anywhere near as effective as someone like a Kyrgios who's got you know sort of trick shots and can get in Nadal's head, get in Nadal's kitchen. Trick shotting. No, <laughs> I can't. Can you even picture it? I reckon he's got moves. I've seen I've seen him dancing. You know, I reckon he could do trick shots. Why didn't he? Today was the day, Sam. <laughs> if he had them, they were coming out today. I don't believe he yeah, has them. Underarm serve maybe would have gotten a dime. Why is he doing it? Someone should have done it. Everybody should be shoving in one, yeah. at least, shouldn't they? Federer, <laughs> hey, come on. Just, Corey, yeah. just for us to yeah, enjoy. We were yeah. underwhelmed with Kane Ishikori's mm. lack of underarm serves <laughs> the last few days. Uh, Novak Djokovic was struggling a bit early on against David Goffin, who was playing well. And I, I really, I had Goffin winning a set today um, and failed. Everyone else probably did it 4-3. Yeah, and he was a break-up. Um, no, but I've, I put that in the newsletter predictions, which you can get on the newsletter mailing list, folks, and get our daily predictions. Most of them are rubbish, but it's still funny it's to watch really them. It's perked up for me. Yeah, all right. Well, I've brought that up. Um, but, so it didn't happen. 4-3, David Goffin leading, and, and Djokovic showing some real signs of discomfort out there. And lots of chat in the commentary box. Annabelle Croft was in our Five Live commentary box and, and said that he... He looked almost a bit spaced out, and uh, not. And we've seen that before, haven't we? We've seen it in that match against Andy Murray at the Australian Open, and he, he almost looks a bit lightheaded, and and as though he can't really focus on things. He's had issues in the past with contact lenses, and you know people were trying to work out what's going on with Novak Djokovic, and and some people get wound up by it. Some people say, oh, you know, he's putting it on. He's sort of he's just he, he'll be fine in a minute, and sure enough he, he was fine in a minute I, I I can only speculate I haven't actually looked at his press conference transcript maybe you have Matt but I I sense with him and I've seen it with Andy Murray in the past that those two players in particular they don't have this poker face they don't have this ability to just not let on what they're feeling and if they feel stressed if they feel nervous if they're having a little bit of a panic what for whatever reason they can't hide it Whereas I think Federer and Nadal can. I think that is the main difference. And I think that that manifests itself in their body language. And then eventually something good happens for them. They calm down and they're all right again. Yeah, Federer and Nadal have lulled us into thinking that they're the norm. And there is absolutely nothing normal about their disposition on court at all. Um, Yeah, I... Again, I haven't read the press conference transcript. I haven't seen anything uh, reported on social media sort of flagging any specific issue. I think he was stressed. What do you think, As he would be. He had everything to lose today, you know. And I think he was rocked by how well David Goffin started the match. He was was playing beautifully, David Goffin. He was taking the ball early, redirecting it, kind of bullying Djokovic, to be honest, in the first seven games. But it was like he poked the bear because Djokovic... (laughs) Djokovic at 4-3 then just knuckled down and did not miss for about an hour. And in that in that hour, he won 10 games in a row. It's a bit irritating, um, isn't it? And actually, Goffin gave some really good quotes afterwards, kind of describing the experience of playing Djokovic. And he said, you do feel like you have to play the perfect point to beat him. And even while you're playing the perfect point, Djokovic is still putting it back on your toes. Mm. And... It's, it, you know, it feels like playing a wall, he said, and it's quite interesting for that to come 
from a player who's just played him because that's all the things that we say about Djokovic watching him and to hear Goffin say that is sort of proof that it is that hard. There were a number of points where David Goffin was matching him. You know, it was lovely, lovely varieties. Goffin's matching him and you could see him just panicking going, no, none of the things I've tried have been winners. He keeps getting them back so I'm going to hit the panic button and go for a weird drop shot now. Mm. And how often do we see that against Djokovic? Ill-advised drop yeah. shots. He, that's what he evokes from opponents. Mm. It was weird though. We were well. I wasn't really watching it, but I had it on my screen when we were in the press room, and I was sort of surrounded by all uh, my Telegraph colleagues, and we sort of all looked up, and someone said, "Oh, look, Djokovic is breakdown. This is weird." And then looked down, looked up again. <laughs> And it was over, and it was yeah. kind of he'd, he'd got back. So yeah. I sort of missed that little panic that he had, but um, interesting and gives a little hope to um, to Roberto. Yeah, to Roberto, who has beaten him twice this year, two out of two. Yeah, at the start of the year in Qatar, and then again in Miami. But both matches, I mean, Djokovic at the start of the year. He's not quite himself. I remember he had that loss to Karlovic there a couple of years ago, and then in Miami. There was, a, there was a big rain delay during that match. Djokovic won the first set 6-1 really easily, but there was a big rain delay. It was a bizarre match. It was a one. strange match. But Batista Agu does have something in his game that Djokovic doesn't like. And Robbie B.A. He, he, he is... Yeah. And it's, that's my new, <laughs> my new rap name for him. <laughs> uh, Robbie B.A. is... Uh, I, look, if you're radio commentating on Roberto Batista Agu, you, you need nicknames. I very nearly you? said that today and then bottled it. So I thought I'd save it for the podcast, try and build up. Um, but, did it um, get the reception you were hoping for? This is the creator of yeah, did, You're in the presence of Molly. So you created Sir Andy then, because I because I was I'm more of a Marina fan. I'm not going oh, to lie to you, is Serena. Is, yeah, but maybe since, it's because since, since the adoption of Marina, it's all so gone, we've gone downhill. downhill. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I'm, I'm quite happy to disown it now. It's fine. <laughs> um, but no, uh, Robbie Ba, he based on his performance That's in Doha, lots right. of shaking of heads going on here. Um, I th- I mean, he was awesome in he that was. match against Djokovic. He's just got to find a way to bring it on Friday, hasn't he's he? He's got a sort of, you know, when I was watching, uh, in particular, the Nishikori and Goffin stands against uh, Federer and uh, Djokovic, respectively. I was thinking about Alison Risk yesterday, taking on Serena Williams. And look, her tennis wasn't quite good enough to beat the greatest of all time yesterday. But I wasn't worried about her having a mental letdown or her no. thinking, oh my gosh, I'm having to redline this, I can't keep it up. I just wasn't concerned about that for her at all yesterday. I thought her tennis might not be good enough, but this match is going to be decided by the tennis and not by mental fortitude. Mm. And I sort of feel a little bit the same about Roberto mm. Bautista-Riga. I think yeah. almost certainly Djokovic's tennis is going to overwhelm him on Friday, I think he might get a set, but I think on, you know, overall, Djokovic will almost certainly win. But I do back him to be relentless and give you everything that he's got. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, he won't be overall by the occasion at all because he plays the same tennis pretty much on every court, every match. He just has that one way, that one approach, that relentlessness. And Djokovic mentioned that as he was asked, what is the hardest thing about playing Bautista Agu? And he just said, the consistency. You think you've got him, but you haven't because he can he can keep going the whole match. Did he recognise the irony 
in saying that. Exactly. That's, how that's his biggest strength. Yeah. Describe him. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so we know tomorrow we've got Mary Carrillo here on the tennis podcast unless something awful happens and we timings don't work or something but anyway we've we've got a booking we've got an arrangement so we'll use that to preview uh the men's singles semi-finals however that means you don't have to do predictions no it doesn't mean that you see because what we don't have tomorrow is Molly McElwee so we're going to get Molly's uh predictions and preview for the men's singles semi-finals for Friday and also we're going to we're going to just get your predictions as well for Alina Svitolina and Simona Halep and Serena Williams against Barbara Stritzova. What do you think is going to happen? What should I go for first then? Women's? Yeah, go for okay. that. So uh, I'd say I, I back Serena because I feel like her her confidence has just grown so much over the over the fortnight. You can Watching her press conference yesterday, she just seemed so sort of at ease, like, I'm here now, I feel confident, I feel good, I feel fit, and... I just don't see how that can be matched. But equally, I think Strichkova, I, I, I get caught every time the, the, I, I say that. Say, everyone gets caught. There are, there are certainly varying versions of that, even in our own commentary box <laughs> during matches. But anyway, we'll go with Strichkova, that's fine. Yeah, but what, I mean, watching her, she she's sort of playing without fear. And I mean, you can see how that can work really well against Serena watching risks. She was just so... She she, she 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 was really going for it and didn't like you said didn't seem overwhelmed by the occasion either. So I don't I don't think she I don't think it would be straight sets, but I still back Serena. Okay, there's a bit of Vinci in Stritzkova, don't you think? There's that sort of she is now the oldest first time Grand. I'm doing a Matt Roberts. She's the oldest. Grand, first time Grand Slam singles semi-finalist and she's overtaken Vinci, Roberta Whatever. Vinci for that record yes wow oldest first time that's a great start she's 33 years of age I'm telling you 33 is peak age <laughs> but I'm only 12 years past I said Sorry. that last year and is no one is first masters at 32 32 is peak age oh. guys come on Rog keep going until you're 45 <laughs> I, I think uh. I think what's interesting is how going out of the mixed doubles might affect Serena I mean I'm not sure it will have a big impact, but I did think the mixed doubles was definitely helping, A, the game, and B, keeping her loose, keeping her happy and upbeat. And every time she steps on court in a singles match, especially latter stage of a slam, Serena is chasing history now, and that, that pressure cauldron is there. And if it does get tight tomorrow, well... Yeah, I mean, that's that your, your, your definitely your, one of your theories, isn't it, Catherine, that you feel that the mixed doubles is making her play better, i.e. it would be good for her to still be in it for her singles hopes? With, I mean, in my mind, without question, without a test sample, mm. it's impossible to know. No, but that's but how you feel about it. Absolutely. I mean, she's coming here without any matches. I mean, it, just watching her on court in the mixed doubles, which we won't get to see again this week, possibly Bruno ever. Bruno Suarez was in town. Mm. Him and Nicole, is it Melichar, Melichar? Mm. Yeah. Melichar. Okay. Absolute party poopers. Yeah. <laughs> really was just, yeah. I mean, bleh. What was the feeling on court number two? Because I was really there, grim, did, Molly. Did all, yeah, because I mean, really I, saw, I saw the second set on uh, in the press room and you could see the crowd was just so into it. And I was just like, oh, when, they, when I saw the yeah, result, I was like, it oh, was it must just, have been such an anti-climax. It was, but. it was just a total, especially after they won that second mm. set. 
because suddenly the crowd were like, yeah, we're on now. And then and then suddenly it's fall of in the decider and yeah. it all feels... I mean, it, they were the top seeds. They're, they're a... It's a great advert for actually the the contrary of what we were discussing yesterday and and previous to that of the best doubles player the best doubles players are the the best singles players plus anybody else because quite rarely in mixed doubles these days those two are a very well worn partnership they've played together a lot and that was really evident today and I thought actually that's what made the difference the understanding between them because obviously shot for shot Murray and Serena are the better duo but it was that understanding and the doubles now between them that, that made the difference and I'm sure they take quite a lot of pride in that actually that it was kind of a victory for doublesism Double, sure. Serena Williams uh, has never lost a set against Barbara Stritzova six out of six although I, I remember watching their match in the Australian Open two years ago and it was really good really entertaining seven five six four to Serena Williams but Stritzova really just chucked everything she'd got the whole box of tricks she was trying all she She's could think still of still on for the double she is. She's still in the doubles. So who knows? With Sue Wei Shea, if you like tennis, try and watch Stritzova and Shea yeah. in the doubles because so it's just fun. It yeah, is. it's the top. The top four seeds are all in the women's doubles semi-finals, which is the first time for a decade that's happened. Who are they? Quickly. Oh, <laughs> now that's you're putting me on the spot. Cruel, David. I'll give you a, mi- give you a, a minute to work it out. Uh, right, Alina uh, Svitolina <laughs> against Simona Halep is the other singles semi-final. Molly. I'm going Simone Halep. Okay. Um, I know Svitolina has a better record. Yeah, 4-3 four, head four, to three, head. 4-3, yeah. Um, but hearing Simone Halep say the words, I love grass, that's, that, that's convinced me. I feel like... John McEnroe is walking past again, laughing at us <laughs> and uh, pointing. And uh, somebody's come out to accost him uh, and wants uh, a little pat on the back with him. And he's got his hat on and he's got his sunglasses on. At least I haven't got hit today. Uh, but anyway. You weren't in range. No. Um, so, yes. I, I know what you mean. That was That's quite it, a moment, was, wasn't it? Yeah, for and she, she sort of laughed and joked about it, which she, she doesn't seem at all like stressed about pressure, which she's seen before, which you've seen her. Um, before, but then it, it, I think we'll be close. But I, I, I'm still backing her um, mm. to make the final. Yeah, Molly, see my predictions. <laughs> oh yeah, you got Serena against oh, against Simona Halep. When did you make? When did you make that prediction? Pre-tournament. Pre-tournament. Can you not see that? <laughs> absolutely, <laughs> absolutely shot in the dark. Oh. That has come up trumps. Sickening. Were you were you rooting against? Uh, Conta then Conta no, no 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 rooting <laughs> doesn't do rooting no. total pro <laughs> apparently in the mixed doubles I do do rooting sorry Bruno and Nicole but the um, the Halep's Vitalina rivalry has has been an interesting one oh yeah because of that, that because of that French Open match that yeah. sort of lives in people's mind and also that match they played earlier this year in Doha do you remember the quote Halep gave afterwards something oh. like I I promised myself I'd never give up against her again, yes. she said, didn't well, she? Well, just, just to run you through this, the, the, the match that Matt refers to in 2017, the Roland Garros, that Simona Halep won from 6-3, 5-1 down, and she won through 3-6, 7-6, 6-love. And that, I don't think Svitolina got over that for a while. Mm. And then they played each other three more times. And, and I reckon Svitolina must have gone, 
I am never losing to Simona Halep again. And she then won the next six sets. Six one, six one, six three, six four, six love, six four. <laughs> right? Svitolina did. And then Halep has got completely put out by that, as you said, and she promised herself internally, I'm never losing to, to Svitolina again, or I'm never going to give up because she admitted in at least two of those matches mm. she gave up. Yeah. Um, and I, I commentated on that match in Doha between Halep and Svitolina. I would say that is the best match I've seen all year. Men's and women's singles. It was extraordinary. Mm. The quality, the drama, the toe-to-toe elements of it all. It was, and you forget you forget matches. But now that you've just brought that up, I remember how I was sitting, I think, with Joe Jury commentating that. And we felt, we felt like we could just go out on the town for the night and go and have a good old pint down the pub and just talk about this match for the rest of the week. It was so fun. Well, that's it. As much as... Sometimes it's difficult to remember the actual sort of points of a match, but you can remember how you felt during yeah. a match, and that was the kind of one that just made you think these two are playing outstanding tennis. And, so, I, and I remember, I remember your Twitter feed on that day, Dave. It was a was a stream of <laughs> a stream of this is the best thing I've ever seen. It's quite busy. Uh, <laughs> David was more than whelmed. Yes, I was. I was. Uh, so Molly, you're going to Manor Halep. Yeah. In how many sets? Three. Okay. Uh, now, men's semi-finals. Roberta Badhistro good against Novak Djokovic. Um, I mean, after this entire conversation, <laughs> she's I looking at me as um. I don't think I can go, I could bet against Djokovic. Okay. But right. Federer against Nadal. After seeing the last, uh, seeing them in, over this week and last week, I'd say Nadal. Okay, who's going to win the final? Nadal against Djokovic. <laughs> oh, God. Don't make me say well, it. This well, is a blooding Molly. We might not get Molly tomorrow <laughs> or the next day, so now's the time. Um, I, I want to say Nadal, but I'm going to say Djokovic. Okay, uh, so Djokovic is the champion in the men's signal, singles, according to Molly, and uh, and is it going to be Serena 24 or not? Or is, uh, is Simona Halep going to get in the way? This is, this is intense. The doubles um, prediction yeah. in a minute, Molly. <laughs> yeah. You better know who the top four seeds in the women's doubles are. Charlie Eccles said something um, earlier where he said if it's Simona Halep against Serena Williams, if Halep can do what Kerber did last year, then, mm. she, then she'll, she'll definitely win. She just needs to do exactly the same thing basically and then she'll beat Serena Williams Charlie but. doesn't know anything so. <laughs> no, he, he knows loads. but that stuck with me you know, Charlie that actually has had it, a squeaky bum for days <laughs> since he was the first guy to pull the trigger on Federer and Adol yeah. a few days ago oh yeah the first guy to he, tempt the jinx and did, I'm telling you he? he's been sweaty ever since yeah, we, we watched the last set um, of uh, Nadal Quarry then he was he was like yes has he retweeted himself yet because <laughs> <laughs> I would have done there was about how long do we think there was 18 hours between Simon Briggs predicting Conta to win the title and Conta losing in the quarterfinals oh, maybe even less than 18 well, hours luckily Simon gets everything else right so that's fine <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, all right, Molly. Uh, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. This has been great. It's been lovely yeah. uh, here on the Tennis Podcast. Matt, thank you. Thank you, Catherine, David. Thank you. Babos Mladenovic, Shay Stritzova. That's one semi-final. Dabrowski, Zhu, Krejikova, Krejikova, Siniakova. 
That's the other semi-final. Those are the top four seeds in the women's Catherine, doubles. on it here we on the tennis podcast. Couldn't have left you hanging with that no. one. Thanks for that. Thanks for that. We'll be yes, back with another you, one of the these tomorrow. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully, cross everything, listeners, cross everything. That Mary Carrillo will be with us. She said she will, and we're going to get built on. We're going to get the beers in for for Mary because she's decided she wants to take me on in a beer off, which is a bit scary for me. Uh, but anyway, no, I'm up for it. Losing that. Yeah, I, I'm ready. I'm going to put some training in tonight, uh, and. We'll be back with another tennis podcast tomorrow. Tell everybody you know. There's loads of you listening to this. You've all got friends. You've all got family. They're, most of them must like tennis. And just tell them about the tennis podcast. They've all got phones. They can download this. You can subscribe to it for them. Just do it yourself. Don't let, leave it to them. You know, we need more, more listeners. So it's up to you, listeners. All right? I'm leaving that in your hands. Uh, and we are executive produced by TennisBalls.com, uh, produced in association with Molly's Telegraph, of course. Uh, our executive... Uh, I've done the old executive producer because that's not Rio with a Y. Uh, Rio with a Y is our mascot, and we'll be back with another one of these tomorrow. See you then. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rose, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.